Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. For your own pleasure, a well-hidden treasure, Pizza Chocadero. We serve delicious gourmet pizza with daily made dough, homemade sauce, and fresh toppings cut by hand. Ask us for our 2-1 special. Pizza Chocadero, open weekdays till 9, weekends until 10. Located at 7 Municipal, north of College in Edinburgh. Proud to be an independent family-owned business. Call 519-829-2444 or visit trocadero.ca Creative Control with Vish Khanna Marilyn Raskub is a talented comedian and actress who originally hails from Detroit, Michigan, though she's likely best known for her portrayal of data analyst Chloe O'Brien on the hit Fox drama 24. For comedy fans, she's well regarded for her work on groundbreaking efforts like Mr. Show, The Larry Sanders Show, and as a character actress in numerous films. She's currently touring behind a one-woman comedy show called 24 Hours with Marilyn Raskub, which has been staged at Just for Laughs in Montreal, including upcoming performances on the evenings of July 26th, 27th, and 28th at the Mainline Theater as part of the Just for Laughs Festival. Here now to discuss this further is Marilyn Raskub. Hello, Marilyn. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. You just got off stage, I understand? I just got off stage. It was my very first show in Montreal. It's a brand new one-woman show, putting it up on stage. Um, it was great. Good it went really, really well. Have you been to Just for Laughs before? I have been here before, but this is... I was only here for a couple of days before, and it was not in this capacity at all of doing a full one hour. Before, I just kind of popped in, you know, and did short sets here and there and then left town pretty quick. I'm really here for the the whole experience this time. <laughs> well, that's great. That's good. Congratulations. That must be exciting for you. Can you tell me more about your one-woman show? I know very little of it. Yes, I've been doing stand-up around uh, the U.S. for the past few years, and this show... You know, it's very autobiographical, and I sort of tell the story of, it starts, it, it, my husband and my kid are in it 
a lot and I start by saying how my husband doesn't talk to me and then um, it kind of goes off on this tangent of explaining that I do stand up and that people know me from 24 and then I have all these crazy experiences <laughs> on the road and then I try to come home as a mother and a wife and acclimate to, uh, you know, home life and, I, and I'm, you know, number one out just doing crazy shit in comedy clubs and then also kind of having this very gritty experience that's the opposite of my TV actor experience. So it's sort of juggling all of these different emotional states and trying to not fall apart while doing it. But the more um, direct storyline is that I flirt with a yoga teacher and end up buying a miniature horse that I have to tell my <laughs> husband and my kid about. And uh, it, there's a whole reason behind it. But uh, yeah, it's got sort of this roller coaster narrative that ultimately is about... Uh, is love really possible? Is love really possible? I, I want to, that. there was a lot there. I want to actually uh, home in on the the thing you said about how people, a lot of people know you f as Chloe from 24, but like for people like, let's say me, you're a comedian, you're a comic actress uh, who's been on like some of the most groundbreaking comedy shows of our time. And yet you're known for being on this super gritty show about, torture and terrorism uh how, how what is that dichotomy like for you you kind of lead at least a double life yeah it's it's very much equal but opposite because you know i'm very proud to be uh you know, 24 is a huge part of my life but that was the the thing that people know me most from is the most i didn't expect to be doing that at all it's the most unlike who i am and what i did up to that point so I love it for that because it's, you know, I was not, I had only done comedy up until that point. So to, to enter onto this show that is this worldwide phenomenon was very exciting. And I, and I grew a lot as an actor on that show and learned how to do drama. But then when it ended, and this is all chronicled in the show, when it ended, it was sort of like, okay, now what, you know? I thought it was sort of going to go on, you know, once I got used to that and wrap my mind around it, then I was like, oh, I thought this was how life is now. And then when it ended, I got back into stand-up. It was a very different experience. And, you know, that alongside with actually accidentally getting pregnant from a guy that I barely knew who, you know, became my husband and the father of my child. And um, so, yeah, it's all kind of wrapped up in there, how to, <laughs> how to deal with that. <laughs> As I recall, and it's been a few years since I've uh, watched 24, did Chloe not start out as kind of a comic foil? Like, it was a kind of a comedic role, wasn't it, on some level? You know, depending depending on who you talk to, people sort of got that from the get-go. Some people, some people refer to her as a comedic foil or just a break in the intensity. But there was, a, for me, there was a pointed turn from when I, I started out as, computer geek, you know, number two that they needed to work at the counter-terrorist unit. And I was kind of annoying yeah. and people really didn't like my character. And I thought, Oh, I'm going to have this little arc on this show and that'll be that. And then things changed when they started writing me, um, helping Jack, you know, and then becoming his confidant. And I, that was an organic thing that the writers weren't um, planning on. And, and I was sort of a fluke, even in casting, I, I stuck out, you know, early on, I started trying to talk like this and they said, and, and 
the creator of the show said, no, we like what you're doing. Yes, it does stick out. You're right, it does stick out, but just keep doing it. And then when they decided to write me loyal to Jack, then that's when people were like, oh, wait a Right. Yeah, I remember that shift. I I can actually think of that now, and I remember that happening very clearly. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. You've as as I say, you've led this very interesting life. You talk about your family and your one woman show and and all of these things. Do you talk much about your parents? I understand your parents are. You have some Czech heritage. Is that right? Um. I mean, my parents both grew up in Detroit and went to Catholic uh, high schools. My dad went to a, a boys' school. My mom went to a girls' school. They met when they were like seventeen years old. Um. My mom's uh, all Irish and my dad is Czech and Polish, but I mean, not they're they're not first generation. I um, see. I see. Okay. So we're just a very American, Eastern European kind of family. We're working class. Well, I, I only bring it up because my wife is Czech and her her father is. <gasps> oh, really? Yeah, her father's Czech, and they're very proud of this. And I don't mean to spill any beans, or this might sound uh, crazy, but they actually are—they uh, have some serious lineage. If I don't know how to talk about this, because it's sort of—I think I'm supposed to be secretive about it. But uh, they, there's like some uh-huh. blue blood in there. Does that make sense to you? You know what I mean? No, I don't know. Can you tell me? Can you enlighten me? Maybe I have it. Maybe I'll uh, move up in life. <laughs> a little bit of royalty. Like a little bit of, there's something there. Oh my God, I love it. Why are you not supposed to talk about it? I don't know. I was told it's kind of a secret. There's like a genealogy. There's people, like I'm part of it now. There's like people who do like the genealogy of all the royals <laughs> and the noble people. And so like my name's mentioned in it and like my kids are in there now. And I'm like, what the hell is happening? There's just some people who randomly track it. So I just wondered if you you had any uh, insight into the Czech cabal because of your father? As far as I know, I'm from the streets. We were like, you know, potato collectors or something. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, embarrassingly, actually, there used to be a piece in my show that I cut for time, but it was just, I know nothing about my background because I'm American and we don't care to uh, delve into anything. But I, I don't really know that much about uh, my background. Okay, I just for whatever reason, the check no one talks in my family. No one talks. <laughs> Maybe it's so deep underground. I'll, I'll have all of the fantasy that I'm from real descent. It's so bizarre. Yeah, it's strange. I don't really know either. Anyway, uh, you. So this show is really about you. It's your one woman show. Do you get into? You mentioned you're American. Do you get into the state of your country? Are you covering any topical things given what's going on right now? You know, not re- no, I don't. The, the story of my show is so specific. All that has really happened so far is I get a lot of anxiety when I go to start the show because I think, how can I just go into this personal story when like there's just a shit show happening? But, you know, I'm really trying to tell this very specific story, which I, I think does on some level speak of, you know, being American and I, I sort of mentioned it just in very quick passing at the top, but um, I'm really trying to uh, stick to my script just for the sake of having the story intact. And if I start, like, cross-talk about politics, it's, it's just all over. It'll just be, like, way off uh, the thrust of the show. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking at it as a, a respite from what's happening in the world, and I really, it's a real, it's a real shit show, and... Uh, be a whole other show if I got into that. <laughs> I mean, I am a little bit nervous to be going to the other side of the world because 
you know, I am a representative of what's taking over, but, um, you know, I specifically designed this to be more of a one-woman show and not really stand-up. Um, I think I would feel more of the pressure if I was doing straight stand-up. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Or to talk about, like, cute, cute things or, like, what kind of cereal you like when there's just so much shit going on. So maybe that, that'll be my next show is to just talk about stuff of the world, but... Well, I do want to. I do want to ask you about the shit show in a moment, but in, in focusing on this one woman show, this is the type of exercise where you would learn a lot about yourself. It might provide some re- resolution of certain feelings and thoughts. Has this been a? Has your one woman show been a therapeutic exercise in some way? I, I know it's probably been reflective, but has it made you feel better in any way? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because my director. I use that term loosely because I'm such a stand-up and that I can barely stand to like rehearse and go through it. But a lot of times I'll just interrupt myself and rewrite and then we'll go through the material. And, you know, towards when I was just about to leave, he said, Oh, your husband's actually becoming sympathetic. I guess you can let him watch the show now because the idea was from my point of view, I'm just like, he doesn't talk to me. I need this thing, these things from him. But it's that realization of like, Oh, Hey, maybe you're responsible for acting like a fucking maniac, you know what I mean? And there are different ways of communicating with each other. I mean, not to be like totally hippy-dippy, but with everything going on in the world and politics, I do believe that it comes down to how we treat each other and what our awareness of that other person is. And I'm just speaking from like, on a very meta level of just the relationship that I'm trying to maintain. It's like, it takes a lot for me to just do that, let alone how I think the world should be run, but... Well, they, they say the change starts with you. Not you specifically, but with the... You know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, this... Uh, um, it's, it, it, it's very uh, disturbing that the, all the stuff that goes into trying to wrap your mind around thinking about the police in America and all the just you know all the stuff that's just like rising up that you know that's just been boiling under the surface where it's like oh we have to look at how they're trained what their point of view is how, what like and, and why that's all coming to light right now in a bigger way you know like yeah it's time for us to fucking figure it out do you do you think it's a coincidence that some of this has become inflamed as the Republican Party is imploding and and being led by this guy, Donald Trump? You know, it's interesting because I really try very hard to keep my head in the sand and to avoid looking at stuff at all costs. But when I watch, you know, like when I watch the RNC, there's always some spin, like there'll be some, you know, some correspondent commenting on Ted Cruz. And I, I, I try to be like more objective of like, oh, that's an actual politician doing something, I guess, in some ways, but then there'll be somebody... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. It was like the NRA lobbyist, and then my, you know, blood will boil, and I'll start yelling at the TV, and that's, I've been trying to, like, sort of hide from that, but it's like, you know, when that guy's, like, telling anecdotes about a mother home alone with her child and how she should have a gun. <laughs> yeah. Pure insanity. And not a and not a coincidence that there's just all this complete fear mongering behavior and white privileged behavior and it's 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 really messed up. That kind of thinking is emboldened and that you know, it's very disturbing that there's this, like, yay, this guy, and it just is working people into a fervor. They're not really talking about policy or issues at all. Yeah. They're just, everyone's just getting excited and reacting, and, like, it's, it's really scary. It is serious. Yeah, it is serious, and I think a lot of comedians are, are doing their best to try to mock these situations as best they can. At some point, at the end of the day, some of these things are too heartbreaking to really laugh at or satirize. And I do. One of my big frustrations with 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 Trump is that everyone's trying to mock him, but I feel like he's the one making a mockery of everything. And then I worry that every all the mockery yeah. just bounces off of him because he's purposely making a yeah. joke so now he sort of becomes impervious to the mockery and i'm like how do you crack that like i, I it's very confusing like, i don't know how you that's absolutely right because things are things are moving at such a fast rate and it's such a world of i mean this was months ago but i glanced at like his twitter feed versus hillary clinton's twitter feed and his is exciting it's dynamic it's reactive and it's like there's some real deep shit of how we've designed our society to just react and sensationalize things that really don't have anything to do with how we govern ourselves. And, but it just gets all mixed up in this really fucked up way. So yeah, I completely agree with you. It's like, how can somebody mock him? Like that's like the tip of the tip of the iceberg. That's you're just almost play, playing in his playing field to do that. I think it was, when he first, you know, became prominent, it was like, oh, my God, this guy. And now it's like, oh, wait a minute. We're all on board for this. There's no cute jokes to be made anymore. Well, and, and I mean, he's making jokes. Like, in some of the debates, he seemed more like a comedian. Like, it was very odd. I didn't, I didn't understand how this was happening. Like, He's an amazing performer. Yeah. And that, like, repetitive nature of how he speaks, too. Yeah. And that he speaks directly to people. I mean, that's, that's a powerful, compelling character. It's a character. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very... He's a character of himself. Yeah, absolutely. And it is it... closer to comedy. Yeah, so like, that's why I, I mean, don't... How many little clips have you seen where you're like, I can't even follow what he's saying? But it's, like, compelling and it's entertaining, and I think there was just a thing on uh, 
Samantha Bee's show where it was like he was competing for best word salad along with Sarah Palin. They would just play a straight clip and like there's no rewriting involved. It's just playing short clips of him just being like, does anyone know what the fuck he just said? (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't matter. So responding and supporting him, yeah, he can do no wrong as far as his supporters are concerned. Yeah, it's really mind-blowing, actually, and, and crazy, and that's I feel like this isn't... Saying that isn't enough, and I just don't know what can be done, um, but all I can say from up here in Canada is best of luck for you and yours. Like, that's... Uh, I mean, it's going to be bad for everyone, really, but it's just a... Well, t- we're all going to be moving to Canada, so <laughs> best of luck for receiving a bunch of Americans. <laughs> that's true. That's fair. I hope that works out okay. <laughs> I want to ask you about... I, mean, I think the more things are, like, people playing Pokemon, Pokemon Go, like, yeah. just pure escapism, walking around looking at the machine. That makes more sense to me right now. Yeah, I can I can see where you're coming from. Um, there's so many things we uh, to talk to you about in terms of your career, but I am currently fixated on one thing, and uh, I hope you'll bear with me, because uh, one of the things that you've done that means the most to me personally is your work on The Larry Sanders Show. And I know this is going back a long time. Oh, thank you. Yeah, like, that's my favorite show. And uh, I was really uh, devastated when Gary Shandling passed away. And I've been re-watching the show. And I'm up around when you just enter the picture, you know, season, I guess it would be four and a half, five. And it's a remarkable thing. Um, yeah. What uh, What was your relationship like with Gary Shandling uh, after the show? Did you have much contact with him? Um, you know, I did a little bit, and he really, in some ways, was very available to me, but I was almost too uh, socially messed up to even... He, he really reached out to me. I, I had lunch with him a couple of times. He also came to some early shows that I did, one-woman shows, and that was really meaningful. And you hear that from a lot of comedians. He really uh, was very giving and would show up to things and you know, very thoughtful and very emotional. And that combination of somebody can be hyper-intelligent, but also, like, emotional, emotionally aware as well. It's very rare in a comedian uh, some, and somebody of his stature like that. Um, he was, um, really taught me a lot just being around him on that show. Yeah, I'm just curious about your history with the show, how you got on the show, and and, and let's start with that. I actually was in the same uh, social group uh, with Janine Garofalo and David Cross. They're on my mind because they're both at JFL this year, but, you know, I replaced her as a talent booker, and we had the same manager, and I did this, uh, I was doing performance art in art school that kind of accidentally got me into comedy, so a lot of my early sets, I wouldn't really make any sense, and it would be this non-sequitur, and I, I did a stand-up show with uh, on Janine's show. She had a show for Comedy Central, and uh, Gary Shandling saw a tape of that. It was basically me doing performance art and saying, I just took ecstasy and this is my performance art piece, and that was like my idea of comedy. And it was this very <laughs> weird, abstract set. And that got to Gary Shandling and his head writer, and they called me in for, a, for an audition, and I just sat across from them. It was like the best audition ever, because it Basically, it was Gary Shanley making faces at me and me going, I don't, what are you doing? And him, them giggling and him going, I don't know, what are you doing? He was so in the moment and so unafraid of not having any material. And he was just like kind of feeling out my vibe. And uh, it was super fun, but there was like nothing to it. And it was, the, you know, 
for somebody like me who's more of a comedic improvisational, like to have no script and to just go in there and fuck around. And I don't know what was said. There was no material. And they kind of were just nodded to each other. And we all giggled and uh, they hired me. So it was just him seeing those qualities and trusting it and knowing that he wanted to do that. I mean, I was very green on the set. So, you know, I was very nervous to be there. So I was glad that I only had like a scene or two, you know, enough that I could like mental, mentally and emotionally handle. But yeah, there was one moment on set where I was saying something really basic and he looked at me and he said, what do you really mean? And he sort of caught me not having given any thought to the line. I was just delivering it. And, you know, the cameras were rolling and he stopped and he said, well, what's really going on with you? Meaning your character. And in that moment, I was like, oh, like I learned about subtext and like the inner world of the character was just really lazy and just so new to it that I didn't put that thought into it. You know, I was just like a weirdo who did performances on stage. So I got like a really wonderful crash course in acting from him. And it was such a wonderful atmosphere because it was also comedic, which I loved, you know. I don't think I would have had the patience to be on a drama at that point. It was just the greatest combination of intellect and emotion and character. Yeah, I mean, that that what you say comes across in, in every episode. And there is something to be said for the fact that it, it was kind of one of the first weird reality shows in a way, it sounds like that's just the way he treated it. Like, he really was going for authenticity, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if I'd call it a reality show. It was incredibly character-driven and worked on, but it catered to the characters, but he also was very specific about the writing, and I think he struggled over that because he wanted it to be so real and so authentic. It was also the first show where I had done... Um, no, I hadn't really worked at that point, but like I'd been around... I certainly watched sitcoms where it's... Uh, the type of jokes. I remember going to the uh, my first table for the latest Senior show and hearing the words aloud, they had so much more life and humor coming from those characters that wasn't necessarily on the page. And that was a huge lesson for me too, because it took that character in their interior world to make it like absolutely hilarious and unique and with integrity, you know? So that was the thing. It's like, it was very in the moment, but also very crafted. And I think that's a really thing that he really uh, valued and took a lot of time and care doing. Was there anyone else in sort of charge beyond Gary Shandling? Was there someone else who you describe as kind of the engine of the show in any way? Yeah, there were lots. There were a few people. Peter Tolan, I mean, Judd Apatow was around, but he was fairly new at the time. There were some um, instrumental directors and um, the camera operator, which kind of created that unique look where he would go down the hallway on rollerblades. His name was uh, Peter Smokeworth. I I mean, there are a few key people, which I don't have their names on the top of my head right now. (laughs) Sure, sure. No, I'm... But, you know, ultimately driven by him, but... And it's fair to say you never... Did you you have anything close to the the kind of experience you had on the Larry Sanders show on another show? No, I mean, they were all different and unique and 24 certainly had its own uh, amazing qualities to it. Right. And that was just a completely different genre to me. Larry Sanders was something that felt like 
home to me that that style and that type of material. Right. All right. And and do you in your one woman show do you talk a lot about your career? Is it primarily your personal life that you get into, or do you talk about sort of Hollywood stuff, so to speak? No, it's, it's mostly. I do hit on the Hollywood stuff just to give people something, and it sort of um, leads into this personal story of uh, home life and trying to have a relationship and potentially sucking up my relationship. <laughs> and that's that's fair. All right. Well, beyond and how sometimes when you love somebody. Sometimes you can hate them and love them at the same time. Right. Well, beyond the show, what's coming up next for you? Do you have a plan beyond this one-woman show? Are you taking it on the road? Uh, yeah, I'm going to Edinburgh for the Fringe Festival for the month of August, and then hopefully we'll do a special of that, and then, and then we'll see. You know, I'm really focusing on the integrity of the material of the show and then make some decisions about what to do with it next, but definitely want to develop it into something bigger. All right, and is, is, if someone wanted to follow you online, I mean, Twitter, is that the best? Is it your Twitter that's the best way to keep uh, on top of your comings and goings, so to speak? Yeah, baby. Twitter, <laughs> Insta, and Facebook, all at Mary Lynn Rice Cup. Okay, great. I'm going to try doing Facebook Live throughout this festival experience. Oh, okay. So we should keep an eye on your Facebook. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, it was really a pleasure. <laughs> it was a pleasure to get to speak with you, and I'm I'm happy that you're doing so well. And I, I hope I can see your show soon. And you know, best of luck with everything going forward. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. For more information about the Creative Control with Vishkana show, visit vishkana.com. There, you can learn how to listen to, download, and stream the show via iTunes, audioboom.com, and much more. The complete archive of programs is pretty much there on iTunes and my site for sure. Again, vishkana.com for more info. You can also make a flexible monthly donation to the podcast to keep it going at patreon.com. Just look up Creative Control of Vishkana. Also, we're on Twitter and Facebook. Facebook, name of the show. You can find the page, like it, comment, do stuff. Twitter, at vishcreative with a K. Also, a version of this show airs every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time on CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph or around the world at CFRU.ca. Thanks for listening to this episode. I'll be back with more shows very soon. Goodbye for now. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.